Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglan. Week three of high school football season is upon us, so let's preview some of the marquee matchups in our coverage area. Of course, starting with our game of the week as voted on by y'all. I appreciate everybody for going to the website, starlocalmedia.com, and voting on this week's poll. Um, game of the week, and if you're just going to talk like the stature of a game as far as just ranked team versus ranked team, they're honestly, regardless of class, there might not be a more high-profile matchup in the state this week. Uh, Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Highlander Stadium in Highland Park, the number one ranked Scots, the three-time defending Class 5A Division I state champions, welcome Frisco Lone Star, number three ranked in 5A Division I. So a, uh, a definitely a, a heavyweight showdown in uh, in non-district action. So, uh, Brian, you've got plenty of familiarity with this matchup. Mm-hmm. You saw last year and probably the most, I don't know, like if you could have laid out a manuscript on what to expect between Highland Park and Frisco Lone Star heading into last year's matchup when they were both ranked in like the top three in the air, in the area in offense, and then you got, I mean, a 10-7 to 7 ball game. It was the most bizarre football game I've probably ever seen in my life. And I want to add, if, if this didn't win Game of the Week, I was going to be so mad. You were pushing for this would, one, man. You were lobbying hard on social media. You were trying to get the Lone Star community in. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, I even tagged a bunch of the players and... Mm-hmm. And Marvin Mims was one of them, who we'll see later on this on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this this is this is game of the, the entire state, like you mentioned. It yeah. doesn't matter which classification. This is going to be so good. Do I think it's going to be ten to seven again? Not a chance. Because that's the thing. Like, because I, I do remember last year when we were talking about this, we we're just kind of outlining like, wow, these are two of the most explosive offenses in the area through the first two weeks, and it's kind of been that same way heading into this matchup. Lone Star is wow. Lone Star is. I mean, well, that's what you get when you schedule Richland and Denton. Um, you know, Lone Star is the number one offense in Class Five A in the Metroplex, uh, six hundred and thirty-seven and a half yards on average. The number one scoring offense, sixty-five points per game. Mm-hmm. They are number. 
three in total defense at just 146 yards per game allowed, and they're number one in scoring defense, 1.5 points per game allowed. Again, competition has got to keep that in perspective. Um, Highland Park's offense has been um, not far behind. They are number three in total offense with 606 yards. That's insane, though. That you have, I mean, just 600-yard offenses. That's just, God, that's ridiculous. Um, and then the number two scoring offense at 59 points per game. Not going to find them on the defensive boards. That's what happens when you play Rockwall in a 66-59 shootout, but that's Rockwall. Um, Highland Park's traditionally pretty set on that side of the ball. Um, you know, with Highland Park, um, you know, they're the program that obviously the readers are not as familiar with, given that we don't cover them and whatnot. So just some quick backstory on the on the Scots heading into this matchup. Um, we've all heard of Highland Park. We all know what they what they bring to the table. They're again the three consecutive state championships. They've won 47 of their past 50 ball games. Um, it is just a, a brutally, brutally efficient um, offense, defense, and every aspect of that uh, of that program is just a is a machine. Um, on the season, you know, so far they've uh, it all starts with quarterback Chandler Morris, Arkansas commit in his second year with the program, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the state, um, and most efficient. He's completed 70% of his passes. Um, he, I mean, he had those th those video game esque numbers in that first uh, in that week one matchup against Rockwall, where he totaled 664 yards of offense and nine touchdowns. Numbers that, if you're playing Madden and you set it to rookie and pick the best team in the game against the worst team in the game, it's going to be really difficult <laughs> to even replicate a performance like that. It's just out outstanding what that kid was able to pull off against one of the better teams at the 6A level in the Metroplex. Um, one thing about him, though, that's notable early on, at least, he has been a little susceptible to the uh, to the turnover he's, he's thrown four interceptions so far notable considering he only threw six all of last season um, you know, he's thrown two in each game so definitely something to kind of take into consideration in previewing this matchup considering the caliber of that uh, of that lone star defense uh, but he's obviously a dual threat quarterback he's very explosive in the run game averaging 10 yards per carry he's already scored seven rushing touchdowns through two games um, out of the backfield you know he's joined by will anderson who's taken the reins as their lead running back um, Fortunately for Lone Star, they won't have to worry about Finn Corwin at wide receiver. As low scoring as that game was last year, he was one of the few players who really did pop out on that stat sheet. Had a really, really nice performance against uh, against the Rangers last year. But Ben Smith and Kay Savage have both, you know, stepped up into into that big play uh, go-to receiver role that is there, uh, you know, averaging more than 17 yards per catch through the year. Um, defensively, um, you know, for what uh, for as important as Chandler Morris is to the offense, Prince Dorb is is that to the defense. One of the premier pass rushers in the state, an all-state performer last year. He had 21 sacks last season. Hmm. Uh, you know, almost 20 quarterback pressures. Um, he's committed to Texas again. Like there just there might not be a more devastating pass rusher at the 5A level. Um, then you've got in the secondary. You know, Brock Backich. You know, some promising contributors within that uh, the D line and the linebacking corps. Um, you know, overall that unit had a really tough time against Rockwall. But again, Rockwall has maybe the best overall talent in the state in Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, like I said. That game was 66 to 49. Rockwall hung 773 yards on Highland Park, um, but again, Rockwall's as good an offense as you'll find at the 6A level. They looked a little bit better the following week, though, against Mesquite Horn, a Horn team that was flying high after a big win over John Tyler. Um, they held the Jaguars.
Jaguars to just 25 points and only 37 and a half completion percentage uh, through the air. Um, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's Highland Park. They're number one for a reason. They hardly ever lose a football game, especially at home, as we'll get to later on. Um, but on the Lone Star side of things, Brian, what is, uh, through the first two weeks, what has been the read on the Rangers heading into their first legitimate test of the season? Garrett Rangel. Garrett Rangel. He is the real deal, the sophomore quarterback. Yeah. You know, there was the drama prior to the season, you know, the first, literally a couple days before the season started. Galvan, you know, he went down with the injury, and then is Rangel ready? You know, he's only a sophomore. You know, Rayburn was really high on him, said he was a stud, and he is, man. He's thrown nine touchdowns, thrown for over 820 yards in just two games, his first two games on the varsity level. I mean, it helps when you have Marvin Mims. You know, back, yeah, you know, 17 catches, 478 yards, five touchdowns so far. A game changer for them has been Jake Bogdan. Okay, uh, he moved from slot receiver to running back, and that was an issue last year. They kind of carouseled through some running backs. Um, Darren DJ Smith was in and out of the lineup, you know, with injuries and stuff last year. Running the football was tough. They relied a lot on Julian Larry, um, the dual threat quarterback from a year ago, and and that running game really stalled at times. And if you remember, the Highland Park game in week three is when Lone Star's offense started to sputter. And that was the main concern. And then they, they only hung, uh, I think it was 10 points on, on Little Elm. And then mm-hmm. they just they struggled you know, through district play. You know, Offensively, they only scored 14 against the Colony. Granted, that was a good uh, good defense there. But mm-hmm. this offense is, is different. And, uh, and that's you can say Garrett Rangel, you know, he can he can really air it out. But he's really got the weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have Marvin, Marvin Mims. And then Jake Bogdan, I think, is, is a serious game changer for this team with their, their ability to, to run the ball. And, man, and Rangel just looks so good so far. <laughs> um, just, I mean, any thoughts on just the, the defense then? Oh, they're, they're the, still... With what's in store with them having to slow down that... Oh, they're still Highland loaded. Jalen Ford is there. Alessio Russo-Leo is leading the defense uh, linebacker position, middle mm-hmm. linebacker there. Oh, man, they're Noah Bolton, the younger brother of, of Nick Bolton. He's in the yeah. secondary. Um you know they've moved Torn Pittman from linebacker to safety, six four, rangy guy to replace kind of Trey Taylor's role. This defense hasn't skipped a beat. There's a reason yeah. why they haven't given up a touchdown this year, and and I'm kind of shocked. I, I, well, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked. I know it's Highland Park. I know they're Allen of five A. You mm-hmm. know it's hard to pick against them. But man, Lone Star, they should have won this game last year. And I think, yeah, that was last year. But I think Lone Star is that much better this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Lone Star is going to blow Highland Park out. No, I don't think it's possible. No, 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 not at all. But Lone Star, you know, I I, I think they win this game. Really? Yeah. We, we can get to our predictions. Okay. Bit. I know you're like, you're I'm ready to go. This is, this is my pick of the year. Yeah, right yeah. Here. I was curious because I, I just I did want to get your perspective on just that on that game last year because again like this was the game of the week at this time last year and we were previewing this saying all this a lot of this I don't want to say the same stuff but I mean I, preparing for a matchup between two of the most explosive offenses in the area and we got anything but that it was so weird yeah. uh, Highland Park scored the first drive mm-hmm. of the game um, punt 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 turnover there was thirteen punts in that game three total turnovers. Two missed field goals, mm-hmm. and then it took a game-winning field goal in literally the final second for Highland Park to win that game. It was seven to seven from the final play of the second quarter up until the final play of the fourth quarter. Yeah, Lone Star didn't score uh, on this in this game until you know with 18 seconds left in the second half. It was just so bizarre. Um, yeah, like I said, 13 punts. I, I don't think we're going to see 13 punts no. in this game, especially with an improved Lone Star offense and then an even better Highland Park offense. You mentioned something that concerns me. You know, this one is at Highland Park. I've never been to a game there at Highlander Stadium. 
but you know you got to think they have the edge last year that game was at FISD Memorial mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll see if that plays a factor in it as let well. Let me tell you a little something <laughs> about Highland Park and Highlander Stadium, no. Brian. <laughs> um, so four years ago they lost a, a non-district game to Pulaski Academy. You, Pulaski Academy was the, the real gimmick-heavy juggernaut out of, I believe it was Arkansas. They were the, the school that never punted, ran all sorts of just <laughs> gadget plays and whatnot. Um, but they came, you know, to Texas, and they actually took it to Highland Park. It was like 40 to 13, something like that. Um, but that was, that was Highland Park's first home loss in a long, long time. That snapped an 84-game home-winning nice. streak that dated back to 1998. And that is to a team that is not in Texas, and so it still stands that in Randy Allen's 21 years as Highland Park's head coach, they have never lost a home game to it's a team from Texas. It's only fitting that their first loss under Randy Allen will be by a team called Lone, <laughs> Lone Star. Star. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so you you see like what they are up against because again, like that's it just isn't you know it's one thing to be an improved team, and I fully believe that Lone Star is. Um, it's one thing to be an improved team and be a, good enough to the point where you can go into again a place where Highland Park is damn near invincible and, st and find a way to get it done versus a team that has shown I mean the thing with Highland, with Highland Park is like they really do have a lot of Allen-esque qualities to them and mm -hmm. that's why it is so tough for like for anybody to go against them in, in just high leverage big game scenarios even against in that opener against Rockwall like they won the game 66-59 they were down in that game 24 to 7 in the second quarter and then they tied it up before the end of the <laughs> by quarter's end I mean they're that like that team has such a short-term memory and they've got so many guys that have kind of been through the fire and won these high-stakes games something that you know unfortunately for Lone Star they just like they just haven't shown yet they've been right on that cusp right on that periphery of being able to put score like like last year against Highland Park being able to get that signature win but just falling just a hairline short See, that is concerning because Highland Park has been battle tested mm -hmm. you know with one of the best 6A teams mm -hmm. and then Mesquite Horn are really another really good team there and you know Denton was, I, I was seeing things on Twitter you know on Friday oh Denton they you know they're really optimistic they thought they had a chance and then I was keeping up with the game and I was like what's that based off of? it was I don't, I don't know I don't know I, I think it was just trying to you know like fire. they played them last year too yeah, they did <laughs> but this was way worse it was 50 something to zero at halftime but you know Lone Star just hasn't played anyone, and I, I, I think I'm hoping that doesn't hurt them. But it was the same way last year too, because again the schedules were the same, and True. they did like make short work of Richland and Denton heading into that Highland Park matchup. So again, it was but they beat Richland and Denton by even more mm -hmm. this time. So maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of I'm taking anything I can get right at this point. Uh, Taylor, what's your what's your read on this matchup? You know, we uh, we had to fill out our picket line this week, and you had to arrive on a conclusion. For I this did, one, and so. I, I don't think it was particularly hard because you said it was what 84 games before they lost you figure that's you know four years or so of home games so another maybe 15 or wins you're looking at about 100 wins or something versus a single loss in the last 20 years yeah. I mean it's it's just odds that I can't it's like Allen you just don't pick against them at home you just don't and and I think that or ever uh, yeah I mean or ever but especially at home and especially you know with Highland Park at Highlander um, mm -hmm. you know teams just don't go in there and, and have a good time <laughs> and and Rockwall you know that game against Highland Park Rockwall's offense is you know I would say on par with Lone Stars if not better I mean mm -hmm. they have a threat you know just like Marvin Mims uh, and Smith and Jigba I mean it's it's very similar in Highland Park 
you know, we've already talked about how that game went and, and how they kind of outlasted Rockwall. Um, you know, put up just gaudy numbers, you know, across the board. Uh, and I could see, I don't, uh, you know, we've talked at length about, I don't see another 10-7 game this year. Yeah. I mean, that would be even more bizarre, I think, if, if that kind of similar result happened this year. Um, you know, I think Lone Star gives them a game. I think it's competitive, you know, at least for, you know, maybe three quarters or so. And, and then, you know, Highland Park's going to do Highland Park stuff. You know, I just, it, it's really hard for me to go against that track record, that pedigree, you know, mm-hmm. that offense, um, and, and, you know, just, just kind of the expectations surrounding Highland Park. So, you know, it, I don't know. I, I want to say it wouldn't shock me if Lone Star won, but it really would just mm-hmm. because of the track record at Highlander. Um, you know, I don't think it would shock me as much as, you know, some of the other potential upsets and, and, and that sort of thing. It, it wouldn't be completely out of the blue, but, you know, I just, I just don't see it. Because you look at the uh, last year's matchup, just combing through just the raw box score numbers, there's a lot about that that Lone Star should like. Um, at least based off that performance, they outgain Highland Park. They committed only one penalty, which I think that's almost like when you're playing Allen, you cannot commit the boneheaded yeah, no. mistake because Highland Park is they're a team that is the old cliche goes they're not going to beat themselves. Um, it was just the uh, the turnovers that seemed to uh, to really kind of be a bit of a bugaboo for them. You know, losing the turnover battle 3-0 last year, but they did a decent job on Chandler Morris. You know, held them to you know 234 yards passing, only 10 yards rushing. Um, you know, it, it was. But at the same time, like now you have to ask, okay, well, that was Chandler Morris's third start at Highland Park. You know, and when you think of what happened after mm-hmm. the fact and him going on to win a state championship and all of the experience gained through that, now one year later you're getting a far more seasoned version of him. Whereas you have a player like. Rangel, who for all his promise is is again in the situation that Chandler Morse was in last but year, even younger, even yeah, more yeah. making his third yeah. start and his first real. Like, and you have to go to Highlander. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's like I mean just the mental factor. Richland and Den, they're just those defenses can't approximate what Highland Park is going to bring to the table. So that's another thing that has me, you know, leaning towards the uh, the Scots in this one. I've been told Rangel won't be phased. <sighs> In this game, he, he's he's cold blooded. Now, if this game well, say, was to be fair, like, would you hear otherwise? <laughs> he's <laughs> not ready. We're, we're gonna dead. lose. He is we're terrified. <laughs> we're not gonna be able to do this. He threw up four yeah, times thinking about it. That would be something if I was told that. I would I'd probably keep that to myself. If, <laughs> if this game was at like Toyota Stadium, mm. y'all think it's? I still Any take different? Highland Park. Yeah, I just, again, it's the Allen syndrome. I just unless there is tangible evidence to go against them, I've just they've won forty-seven of their last fifty. They've won the past three state championships, and I'm sure obviously that run's going to end at some point, mm-hmm. and obviously it's they'll lose another home game at some point. But until like I said last week on the podcast, we were talking our picks for uh, for Boyd and Marcus. I'm an evidence guy. You know, I need to see it first before I can really buy into it. And I mean, there's nothing that has led me to believe that Highland Park is just going to all of a sudden lose. A home game after having not lost one to a Texas team in over two decades. Well, I'll put my picket life, picket line life on the line in this one. So what does that mean if you Does that mean lose? just automatic last play? So what are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. You don't make a pick for the rest of the season? Or <laughs> what like, is, what's I'm, just, I'm just risking it for the biscuit. That's, <laughs> okay. that's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so yes, that's uh, as far as where the picket line lands on this one. Um, Brian, you were the, the descending Surprise, boat. surprise. You were going for Frisco Lone Star. Myself, Taylor, 
uh, Kendrick Johnson, Devin Hassan. We are starting with Highland Park in anticipation of this uh, this very high-profile game. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. I don't know yeah, if Highland Park's going to just run them off yeah. the field or anything. It is number one versus number three in the state, after all. It's not like there's a reason this matchup is so uh, so high-profile. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of uh, where we stand on uh, on our game of the week, Highland Park versus Frisco Lone Star. Uh, Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Highlander Stadium. Uh, one of the, uh, the key players in that matchup is Lone Star wide receiver Marvin Mims, who is the subject of our student-athlete spotlight. Brian had a chance to swing by Lone Star to talk to Marvin in anticipation of the big game on Friday, and we will see what he had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, I'm here with Marvin Mims, uh, senior wide receiver uh, at Frisco Lone Star. Marvin, you uh, I know we spoke a few weeks ago, you committed to Stanford. You know, now looking back, you know, a few weeks after, you know, how much of a weight has been lifted off your shoulders and how excited are you about that? Uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, I feel like going to my senior year, uh, I just want to be worried about our team and what I can bring to the team and what the team has around, especially as being a captain and being one of the lead guys. And I feel like getting recruiting out of the way was a major uh, point in that. Now, when uh, we spoke about your commitment, you know, Stanford's tough to get into. And, you know, before I ask you football questions, you know, what is – What's your senior year been like, you know, in the classroom? Because I know, understand you're taking a lot more more classes than a normal normal kid your age would be taking. Yes, sir. It's been it's been tough. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been tough. You know, with the extra classes and staying up late and football and then going home and doing homework and then the weight load in the classroom has been pretty hard. All right, now enough about that. Let's talk football. <laughs> you know, y'all have y'all had you know two blowout wins to start the year. Haven't given up a touchdown. Y'all have put up a million points. You know, what's kind of been gelling? What's kind of been the recipe to that success so far? I feel like it's our camaraderie as a team. I feel like we're a, we're a way different team this year, and I just feel like on both sides of the ball, we have really good leaders, and we have guys that will listen to each other. And, you know, there's not much bickering on either side of the ball. It's like, hey, you do this, and, like, we'll talk about it, and we'll just buy into it. We're just one big team. I feel really good about that. Now, before I ask you about the quarterback, you know, uh, one guy that I feel like has really made an impact uh, that y'all didn't really, you know, have at that position last year was Jake Bogdan. Uh, Coach Rayburn, you know, has kind of compared him to Christian McCaffrey. That's you know, really high praise. Uh, you know, talk about how how important he's been to this offense. Yes, sir. Well, I've known Boggy since we were little. I mean, we used to bang hands with each other. But um, I mean, he's a real big impact on the offense. I mean, with him, we can he can go receiver, any receiver position, he can go running back. I mean, he's a real plus to our offense. He can do anything, and he does everything we ask him to do. And he's just a great player. Now, are you surprised about you know how how good Rangel has played so far? You know, this 15 year old kid stepping in there and just slinging it in over eight, eight, over 800 yards and a million touchdowns are you are you surprised are you expecting that or what, what what's kind of what's kind of going on there with him uh, i mean i don't think anyone here is surprised i mean we know garrett i mean he's been here last year he got here this year i mean he got here last year and we just feel like you know no one knows offense better than garrett so whenever i knew he was starting i was just like well you know he knows offense and most of his his thing was just you know if he's going to go out there and be nervous and you know me and him talked and i mean i couldn't be more proud of him now, this is a, a different opponent y'all are facing this week. This isn't Denton, it's not Richland. You know, you're facing the three-time defending state champion, you know, Highland Park Scots. You know, what is that, you know, that preparation like, you know, when you're facing, you know, the number one team in the state? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, no one around here, I mean, we got there in practice. There's no, like, lack of focus because everyone knows what we're leading up to Friday. I mean, that's a great team on the other side of the ball, and we couldn't be more happy to have them on the schedule. You know, it's going to be a big test for us. 
And I feel like we're bringing a good team. They know we're bringing a good team. We know they're bringing a good team. It's one of the best games in the state. I'm just ready to play in it. Now, last year, y'all played uh, against them in week three, and it was, it was a weird game. You yeah. know, that was a 10 to 7 game, yeah, you know, 13 punts. I was at that game. You know, what do you, what are y'all expecting this time around? Are y'all, are y'all expecting another, you know, defensive slugfest? I mean, not many teams, not, if any, were able to do what y'all did defensively against, you know, that high powered offense. But, what, what are y'all kind of expecting? You know, are, are y'all expecting another weird game, or, or, or what, what's what's that like? I mean, we're going to go out there and play our game. I mean, I can't tell you if it's going to be 35-33, if it's going to be a blowout. I mean, it might be 3 to nothing. I mean, I don't know. We're just going to go out there and play our game. We're going to go out there and play our game. We're just going to see how it comes out. To, I, I guess you could say, to upset them or to beat uh, Highland Park. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't go in many games as the underdog, but y'all might in this one. You know, to, to pull off this victory – what are some things or what's one main thing or a few that really have to happen to pull off this win? Um, I mean, we just have to play together. I mean, that's always a thing. I mean, we take every game the same. There's not really one that's more important than the other. I mean, it's like like most people say, we got to go 1-0 every week. So basically, it's just, you know, we played Didn't last week. It wasn't, oh, we're looking up to Highland Park. You know, now we have to go against Didn't first, and then we'll look forward to Highland Park whenever it's HP week. Now, I don't want to look too far ahead, but what would a win against Highland Park mean for this, this season and this program? I mean, it'd be pretty cool. You know, it'd be big, especially beat them at their stadium. You know, I think they're one or two and one there. So that'd be pretty special. But at the same time, I mean, it's a non-district game. So, I mean, yeah, they can do all the articles and all that stuff they want about it. But at the end of the day, we still have to go and play in district whenever we get in district, hopefully be district champs. And then we have to maybe meet up with them and get in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's a game that means a lot, but at the same time, it doesn't mean much. Now, you mentioned it on the road, you know, the last time they lost there was for, to an out-of-state team, you know, five years ago or whenever that was. You know, they haven't lost to an in-state team in quite some time. I think it was since 1998. You know, was that kind of in, in the back of y'all's mind, too? Have y'all thought about that? Do y'all put any thought to that? You know, hey, this team is really tough to beat at their place. Or, you know, it's just it doesn't matter where y'all play and y'all are going to play y'all's game. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we're focused on us. And at the end of the day, I think that, I mean, we all believe here that we're the only team that can stop us, especially what we're bringing this year. You know, like I said, the camaraderie between us, it's like, I mean, it's amazing, especially it's a blessing to be a part of this team. I just feel like, you know, going there, their place, whether it was here or there, I mean, we're going to go out there and we're going to play our game. Thanks again to Marvin Mims for taking the time to chat with Brian for our Student Athlete Spotlight, previewing our game of the week for week three, uh, First Go Lone Star versus Highland Park. Uh, we had four other games that were up for the game of the week, and although they fell short of getting the big old glossy pre-segment uh, uh, at the start of the podcast, we can uh, quickly quick hit and make predictions for those games as well. If it wasn't Lone Star and Highland Park, my pick for game of the week would have been Prosper at Flower Mound. Mm-hmm. This one Friday, 7 p.m. out at Neil Wilson Stadium at Flower Mount High School. Um, this is a juicy, juicy matchup between two of the most high-powered offenses in the area. Uh, both offense averaging at least 40 points and 420 yards per game. Uh, Flower Mount, you know, if we've ever spoken about Flower Mount on this podcast, we probably have mentioned the names of Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens throughout that. I think it's almost like mandatory that you have to do so when talking about Flower Mound and what they bring to the table. Um, you know, it's those two doing their thing, leading the way for the Jaguars once again. Got a deep receiving core. Flower Mound is a, is a particularly explosive offense. Prosper, despite all the skill guys they graduated, we talked about them on Monday's podcast, uh, they have uh, definitely uh, definitely dominated, in a, in a word, to start the year. Uh, Jackson Berry, JT Lane, Tyler Bailey, um, you know, they've uh, they have 
They haven't missed a beat, despite all the guys that they lost. So um, this was a game last year that was, you know, kind of threw everybody off the scent on Flower Mound because this mm-hmm. was actually a blowout win in favor of Prosper. Flower Mound uh, just could not protect the ball, committed something to the tune of like six turnovers, I want to say. Uh, it was like a 51-21 loss, and really kind of, uh, it was, I think we were talking about it as like, okay, this is Prosper's first true test at the uh, at the 6A level, which they passed with flying colors. Um but, and then that, I mean, Flyman clearly grew up from that as they went on to win a district championship and now have, um, you know, have a bit more experience on their side in this matchup. And I think that was ultimately what led me back to picking the Jaguars in uh, in this rematch. I think it should be a good one, though. How about you guys? Where'd y'all land on this? I took Flyman as well, um, you know, kind of throwing out last year's result. Like you said, it was, uh, it was a surprising one, I think, then, um, you know, but one that makes a little more sense looking back. I think the Prosper certainly... You know, still very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that kind of the variety of threats that the Prosper offense has has, has kind of worked in their favor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at last year, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a one-horse show, but, you know, Wayne Anderson and, and kind of that offense, it was a different look. And now it seems like there's a lot of places that, that mm-hmm. Jackson Berry can go and, and things are a little bit more varied. But, you know, Flower Mound, I think, is just is too much. Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens with another year under their belt. That entire offense is so explosive. You know, Matt and I, I think, are both very high on Flower Mound as being right there with Hebron and 6-6-A. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, you know, I, w- I was talking earlier this week, That that's maybe the only game when it comes up that I'm going to take Flower Mound to lose, you know, at the moment. You know, if they go out and get, you know, smoked by Prosper again, then we reevaluate. But, you know, I think Flower Mound is just really, really talented, really veteran, um, you know, have a lot of momentum after that first ever district title last mm-hmm. year and, and only got better. So, um, yeah, I'm taking the Jaguars, but should be a really good one. You took the words out of my mouth. You know, Prosper, they just have a lot of weapons, a lot of different ways to score despite graduating those guys. And, and you know, they're, they've given me no reason to pick against them. Mm-hmm. You know, they have two blowout, yeah. two blowout wins just like Flower Mound, but they blew Flower Mound out last year. It's not going to be like that this year. Blake Schwartz not going to throw three interceptions mm-hmm. uh, against Prosper again. This game should be close, and you know it's, it's pretty much a coin flip. It could go 50-50, yeah. mm-hmm. and so why not why not pick the Eagles? This was a uh, this was a just about a coin flip. If we had an even number of people on the picket line, it very well might have been a three-three split. Otherwise, uh, it was three to two in favor of the home team. As uh, Taylor, you and I, and Devin picking Flower Mound, Kendrick and Brian going Prosper. Let's see, next game. Uh, let's see, I'll let one of y'all take the reins on this one. Lake Dallas at Frisco Reedy, Friday, 7 p.m., out at the Ford Center Thanks. at the Star, a District 75A Division II opener. Um, what are you guys anticipating this is, in this? This game is all sorts of up in the air now. I don't know what the hell to make of anything in 75A D2 anymore. Um, I guess I'll, I'll get my pick out of the way. I'm still going with Reedy. You know, I'm not, I'm not panicking, um, you know, that that hard on Frisco Reedy yet. I don't even know if the game was on the picket line. So it, yeah. these, are, these are the official Actually, picks, whoa. I guess. Um, you know, but I, I'll take Frisco Reedy. I think that, you know, Reedy has certainly taken a step back to the pack in that district. Um, looked really bad against the Colony. A lot of that has to do with how good the Colony is. Um, you know, but Reedy, I think, is more in line with maybe some of the other programs in that district. But, you know, Lake Dallas can't keep Brandon Engel healthy. You know, Lake Dallas, I mm-hmm. think, is is with Trevor Moon, a quarterback who's very serviceable. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with Trevor Moon as a, as a high school quarterback. He's just not Brandon Engel. He doesn't have that kind of big play explosiveness. Um, and that kind of slots Lake Dallas into Tier 2 in this district, I think, without Engel completely 100%. Um, I think this is going to be an opportunity for Reedy to kind of reassert, like, 
you know, we're not that bad. Yeah. You know, we're still Frisco Reedy. You know, I think in this district where the competition isn't the colony, there's not a team in this district even like in the same, you know, ballpark in the same stadium as the colony. So even I think, a, yeah. even after dropping an egg against the colony, I'll be shocked if Reedy does not blow Lake Dallas out of the water. Hmm. Bounce back when that's, you know, they, this team granted a lot of those guys are gone from last year. They've been around the block. They're not they're not going to lay an egg two weeks in a row. I, I think if especially if Ingle plays, is Ingle supposed to play or is he I I I don't know, but I do know that in both games now he was questionable leading up to week one hmm. uh, didn't play in the second half after getting hurt and then you know Tim Glaze we had out there mm-hmm. covering the game last week uh, you know similar situation I don't even know if it was the same injury I think that's kind of what's really setting him back is that they don't even know if it's the same injury if he's just kind of injuring other parts and, and I mean it's going to happen when you rely on a guy to that extent but you know I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be 100% or not, but if he's not full bore, I don't think Lake Dallas I mean, I has think it's shot. fair to say that he's not going to be yeah, 100% I mean, even if he yeah. does play, and that's the fact, is if they don't have their best, their be- their most well-rounded player, their best overall athlete, and the, and the most pivotal component to their offense, being able to put up the requisite number of points to compete with the first yep. Reedy, it's just tough to go against the reigning district champions. I mean, and again, like, um, and I know the optics behind the Colony matchup are pretty awful to look at on paper and whatnot, but it's, again, I think that was a little bit more about the Colony. I'm yep. Not ready to, I'm not pushing the panic button on Frisco Reedy. I just think that versus last year when a lot of their wins came by four and five touchdowns in this district, that's yeah. probably going to be yeah you know, they're going to be in a bit more a uh, bit more yeah. And they could drop some games to the to the the Lovejoys and Braswells and Frisco's of the world if if they have a bad night and somebody jumps out. I, I don't know if they're going to go on an undefeated run in this district this year. But like I said, I think Lake Dallas may be in that that second tier underneath mm-hmm. kind of that group of postseason teams. This is their chance to make a statement win because week one they couldn't do that against a pretty bad Plano West team. Uh, and then last year or last season was or last week I should say was really forgettable. You know, this is their chance because they have Denison and Frisco up next after mm-hmm. that. And Frisco looks maybe like the best team in this district so far through two weeks. Denison is no slouch either. You know, if if they if they drop an egg, you know, uh, against Lake Dallas, or if they still can't figure out who the quarterback is, because they've been going back and forth uh, between Jalen Kitten and AJ Paget, you know, if they keep having question marks there and struggling to move the football, um, even if they struggle to beat Lake Dallas, I, I think it's it might be time to kind of hit the. Oh yeah, I mean, if they go out and beat Lake Dallas by ten. You know, kind of like that yeah. Plano West yeah. game. Then, oh, yeah. then I think it's really time to start being like, "Hey, you know, what's, what's going what, on here? What's going yeah. on?" Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, yes, uh, we are in, in unison and thinking that Reedy gets it done against Lake Dallas. Uh, let's see. Next, we have. Mesquite Horn at Cedar Hill, Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Longhorn Stadium. Um, both these teams enter the uh, enter this matchup very, very battle-tested. Uh, you know, Mesquite Horn drew matchups against John Tyler and Highland Park to begin the season. Cedar Hill played Allen and Denton Geyer. <laughs> Golly, you I can't really ask for a tougher opening two than Good those two. Good Lord. <laughs> um, I got to see Cedar Hill, you know, in their, uh, in their opener against Allen. You know, they, um, they lay them out. Obviously, they lost the matchup, but still had their, had some moments. You mm-hmm. know, they, uh, you know, they do have, uh, you know, a nice, a nice balance of, uh, you know, between pass and run. They can, uh, They've got the the explosive playmaker, the Texas Tech commit Quinn Bright, who they just use all over the offense. Um, one of those players who, if he's if he gets in space, he's got a chance to put you know take any play to the to the house. Um, their quarterback Caden Salter looked uh, looked really looked really nice. Had a tough time handling that Allen pass rush, but still was able to flash some big moments, um, especially with uh, with top receiver uh, Cam Hutchings on some deep balls and whatnot. Um, and then you had Mesquite Horn, which I mean looked great against John Tyler. You know, um, obviously after the way that last season. 
season began. Uh, some questions over how is uh, how is Mesquite Horn going to handle just about the same schedule after starting last year 0-7. Um, they were able to get that first one out of the way very early as they uh, as they took it to John Tyler 39-17. A great debut for uh, for new quarterback uh, Devesia Gabriel. And then um, I mean just they're loaded with skill guys just like Cedar you know Cedar Hill is. You know they got Charles Crawford from Bishop Lynch. He has stood out early on. The Kelsey Emery has been around that program for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'd expect the points to come in droves in this one, but um, ultimately, though, uh, especially with what Cedar Hill showed the mm -hmm. following week against Geyer, who, I mean, Geyer was coming off a uh, just an absolute thriller in defeating Alito, um, and then for Cedar Hill to come within a hairline of taking down Geyer on a on a neutral field and whatnot, that uh, I think that kind of put into perspective that uh, okay, you know, Cedar Hills they've mm -hmm. they've got a little something, so I um I, I trust them to continue building off that momentum and uh, and get the win over Horn. Yeah, I don't think that Cedar Hill is going to drop to 0-3. To I, mean, I think that Allen game is a lot like the Colony and Reedy mm -hmm. in that it says more about how good Allen still is than how, you know, than anything about Cedar Hill. You know, looking especially at that game last week with Geyer, like I said, it really just kind of puts in perspective, like, Allen, y'all are going to be all right. Like, y'all are, <laughs> are still really, really good in the class of the state for sure, yeah. um, at least in, in the area. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think Cedar Hill is just too talented, you know, playing with Denton Geyer to that extent, a Denton Geyer team that, that pretty much everybody is really, really high on. Um, you know, I think that Cedar Hill is going to kind of right the ship and, and get a win. I think, you know, Horn, talented in its own right, and, and some a good win over John Tyler, a decent performance against Highland Park. I mean, Highland Park is Highland Park. They're going to do that to a lot of people, but I think Cedar Hill just, just has a little bit of an edge, and, and I think they will uh, be pretty motivated, I guess, to say the least, to, to not be 0-3. The, uh, the picket line was unanimous in picking Cedar Hill to defeat the Jaguars on Friday. And let's close it out with our last Game of the Week nominee. Um, a matchup that, uh, well, this in terms of just the sheer votes, this was second. A matchup that, uh, you know, has a bit of a different overtone to it than a matchup like Frisco Lone Star and, uh, and Highland Park. Plano West at Mesquite. Yeah. Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Hanby Stadium. Um, Taylor. Just uh, some thoughts on this matchup. The interesting thing is that I think if you're playing OS, it's almost like looking two years into the future. Mm -hmm. You know, Mesquite is a team that, you know, last year was really kind of their breakout year, and now they're looking to take another step forward um, under Coach Fleener and, and really kind of continue building on an upward trend that they've kind of established in West under new head coach Tyler Sogop's trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're two years behind, I would say. Um, but it's, it's kind of... West's real opportunity to, you know, similar to week one against Reedy, to really show that they can compete with some better football teams. Mm -hmm. You know, West, I don't think, had a shot to beat Flower Mound last week because Flower Mound is, you know, we, we went into it in depth when we previewed their game. I think that's just an offensive juggernaut, one of the best teams in the area at 6A. Um, you know, so that was kind of to be expected. You know, but this is a shot for West to go out and play, you know, somebody maybe maybe one weight class above them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's a it's a closer margin and, and it's a, an opportunity for West to make good on some of the good things they've done. I, I talked to Coach Sokup this week. Um, you know, he was happy with how they moved the ball against Flower Mound. I think they, he said they ran somewhere 60-70 offensive. Like, they, they moved the ball well. They they had some possession. Um, they they weren't able to convert into points, which is kind of, I mean, you, you have to <laughs> to win football games, but you know, I think this is an opportunity to start doing some of those things, to take advantage of some of that momentum that they've been building um, to show that they're ready to, you know, get on the path, you know, like Mesquite, to being relevant and competitive. I think Mesquite, you know, still wins this game. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think we all 
pick them as far as as far as I know. I mean, it's hard to pick a team that's lost 28 games in a row. Um, you know, but if Plano West goes out and loses by, you know, 10 again, 13, something like that, and, and really competes and scores some points, I think the one thing that I want to see Plano West do is score 21 points. You know, I want to see them lose a game 34 to 21 or, mm -hmm. or something like that and just show that they have some amount of kind of offensive life and, and ability to score points. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I took the Skeeters. I, I don't think Plano West pulls it off, but, you know, an opportunity to continue moving in the right direction, certainly. It's about last year being a, a breakout season for, uh, for Mesquite under, uh, under head coach Jeff Fleener. It was, um, you could argue the West game was the breakout yeah. game for quarterback Dylan McGill. Mm -hmm. I believe he threw five touchdowns in, uh, in that win over, uh, over the Wolves. Um, he hasn't really had to do a whole lot as far as finding the end zone, you know, thus far mm -hmm. as they've started the season 2-0 with wins over Lake Highland and Grand Prairie. Instead, yeah. it has been that run game anchored by Ladarius Turner, um, averaging 7.1 yards per carry mm -hmm. and uh, and three rushing touchdowns. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this rematch goes. Um, like I said, like what would it be like? Don't you kind of want to be though the like to be the one that picks the West win? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be able to guess that, right, the pick, the, pick the one that snaps the streak. Hey, it may come later this season. Y'all don't know. Um, Y'all don't know. And nevertheless, though, in the uh, in the interim, I uh, that said, it's tough to go against Mesquite, especially playing at home in Hanby with just the, the momentum that they've shown early in the season under Coach Fleener. Um, yeah, I like the Skeeters to get it done. And um, you and I are not alone, Taylor. Mesquite was unanimous in the picket line to defeat Plano West on Friday. And, uh, yeah, that'll at least do it as far as uh, some of the marquee games in our coverage area go. As far as um, games that we will out, be out and covering, I should say, um, what's on y'all's coverage docket for Friday and Saturday, I guess, for you? Plano East and Saxey, Kimber Friday, and that is a, a prove-it game for East. It's one that I don't think East will be favored to win on paper, but they got to come out, the Panthers do, and, and show some sort of life and show that, you know, they're moving... Playing a YSD football period needs to do that <laughs> yeah, this week. There, there's a lot that needs to happen for PISD this week to, to kind of... Uh, convince us that any of those teams have a shot at making the postseason because right now I don't know but I'll be out there for that one between the Mustangs and Panthers Brian how about you safe to say Friday I'll be at Highlander Stadium for Lone Star Highland Park mm -hmm. uh, and then Saturday I'll be at Keller ISD Athletics Complex that sounds right sure. something, something yeah. like that I'll be in Keller mm -hmm. uh, as Little Elm takes on Keller Central as they look for win number two number two uh, let's see I will be um, I've got a Thursday Friday coverage slate I will be out in Irving at Julian Ralph Ellis Family Stadium something former, formerly Irving School Stadium for uh, Carrollton Creek versus Irving Nimitz and then on Friday um, I will be out at Clark Stadium in Plano to cover Plano and Rowlett, a, uh, a pivotal game for both teams in their non-district finales. Uh, Rowlett, a team that has you know, been on the receiving end of a couple of vicious beatdowns, from uh, one from Prosper, another from uh, one of the, uh, who was that? I forget who the second one was against. Rockwall. Um, Rockwall. It was against Rockwall. That's they got right. Smoked oh, yeah. by Rockwall. Oh, yeah. Which no shame. Yeah, no, no shame, shame in that. that. It happens. Um, and then uh, and then Plano, fresh off the uh, the victory over El Paso Eastwood, as they try to build off that momentum and uh, try to get some positive vibes going into district play. Um, so yeah, it should be a fun one. Those games typically are very competitive. So we'll see what that is in store. That game is uh, Friday, seven o'clock, out at Clark Stadium. And um, and yeah, that is uh, at least what we have on tap for uh, for our week three coverage slate, uh, folks. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Brian and Taylor, appreciate you guys for tagging along. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. 
Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.